You're listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. Check, check. All right, I think we're good to go. You ready? Yep. Hey everyone, welcome to another Behind the Message with Jason and Chris, and this is 2023. What? I'm moving my wire in my microphone. Oh man, well, hold on. Having problems already, already. walking into the new year. Um, having not done this for a while, this feels weird. Um, a little bit. But... Um, yeah, I'm ready to do a very long podcast here, and um, yeah, so you ready to get yeah. this started, 2023? You thought, you didn't even think we were going to start this early. That's right, I thought it was going to be another couple of weeks. But I said, no, I keep getting fan mail, when's it coming back, when's it coming back? And, you know, here it is. My, you know, I can only write so many letters back to these people, Um <laughs> I wonder, does that, I'm sure that happens. Like, do people have fan mail anymore? Or do you just, like, mm. send Instagram DMs? Email, yeah. Have you ever, have you ever sent a DM to a famous person hoping? No. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> Your face says otherwise. Yeah, okay. I'm trying to think who, maybe Nate, maybe Nate Bargetsy. I did. You sent him a message. comedian, I, yeah, on Instagram. Because they had that podcast episode where they brought up Elizabethton. Okay. And they were arguing about how to say it. it. And I was like, Nate, you need to know. You need to know that I'm listening and I live here. And um, so I sent him an Instagram DM and he never responded. So, mm. Which I'm sure those guys... Do you think even... they even run their own? No. No. Yeah. I, I Well... Yeah, for sure at the beginning, but there gets to a point where they just pay someone else to handle all of their yeah. online information. Yep. Yep. So how big does our church need to get before I can hire someone <laughs> to handle, you know? They drive over the house a few days a week and take pictures of me and the kids and then post it online for me. <laughs> I know, that would be miserable. If that ever happens, just fire, just fire makers. Um, all right, let's kick this off since it is a new year. That it is. Do you have any New Year's resolutions? No. Have you ever had New Year's resolutions? Yeah, in the past. I mean, it's been. I haven't done that in several years. Like what? I never keep them. It doesn't. You know, like lose weight, exercise more, be more healthy, go outside <laughs> more. You know, all the things that I don't do. You think at a certain age, you're like, I'm just never going to do it. So Yeah, it was a few years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep, I don't, I don't blame you. Yeah, mine, um, I, I guess I don't have any, but I am trying to be, New Year, trying to be more healthy. You're not you know? doing the uh, minimalist, mem- am I saying that right? Minimalist. Minimalist. That was minimalist 2022. And Is it over? You're done? You're like, I'm not doing that again? It was again. 2023, you know? No, it was over <laughs> at some point in 2022. <laughs> I actually, 
Um, because I I shared that publicly on a Sunday. Oh, I know. Which was dumb on my part, but um, I'm going to bring that up. Not this Sunday. I think I'm going to bring it up the last next Sunday. The last okay. uh, message of this series uh, to update the church on how how poorly that went. <laughs> how, that did not work. how that did not work out. Um, even though there was some good, there was actually there was a lot of good that came from that it just yeah. um so you didn't you didn't set any this year no resolutions at all no other than like i don't know if people on sundays are like jason looks like he's gained a lot of weight but this is literally the heaviest i've ever weighed in my mm-hmm. life and so i have been intermittent fasting for about two weeks so that's been good I, I don't recommend it to everyone, but for me at least, okay. I feel better. Um, like everything's better when I when I do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I was listening to, uh, so for whatever reason, they did a John Piper. He's got that Ask John Piper podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone asked him if Christians should participate in intermittent fasting. It was just a weird question. Mm. Basically, it was like, was that hijacking biblical fasting in the oh, Bible? okay. Yep. Yeah. But you can listen to it. The summary is Christians just need to chill out, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, but, all right. So, we started this new giving series, Giving yep. as Worship. Um, this, this series certainly feels a lot different than the last two. Um, so we just focused more on time, not money, more time this past Sunday from First Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11. Chris, you got a little synopsis of a little background of First Thessalonians for us. I am um, real quick. I actually, I looked up the, I did a little study on the background and then I, I listened, then I listened to the sermon. I was like, well, this is exactly what Jason said during the sermon. So is it good? Yeah. Good, because uh, uh, that may not always be yeah. the case. <laughs> so, anyway, background on First Thessalonians. Uh, Paul, of course, is widely regarded as the author of First Thessalonians. Uh, most scholars date it to AD forty-nine to fifty-one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul probably wrote this while staying in uh, Corinth during his second missionary journey. Um, First Thessalonians is an informal epistle. It is basically a public letter being addressed to a whole group of people. Um, Thessalonica was the capital of the Roman province of um, Macedonia and had a population, which you said, over 100,000. Uh, religiously, the city was committed to the Greco-Roman pantheon and the imperial cult. There were some Egyptian cults uh, also prominent uh, during that time, and there was a sizable population of Jews in Thessalonica. Uh, the most prominent theme in First Thessalonians is the second coming of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is mentioned in every chapter of the book. And uh, Timothy had reported that generally the church community in the area was doing well. However, some of the members of the church had died, and because they were not fully informed about what would happen to deceased Christians at Christ's return, uh, some thought that those who had died would miss out on the second coming. And they had plunged into this hopeless grieving. Okay. So, there That's you go. That's good. That's a little more. Where? 
What was your source for that? Um, the Gospel Coalition. I did look that up. I think I did look that up. Um, I looked up some stuff in Lagos. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I looked at two or three different sites, but I mostly yeah. got just to make sure everything yeah. was. I ho- I did. I try to tell the church a lot. Like, look, guys, I'm looking at a lot of resources that you all have access to. Yeah. You know, like it's not like I went to seminary and memorized all of this information, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you know, and just put it down. I have to go back and yeah. look at different sources, and um, so yeah, I always check out two or three because I don't want to. You can get anything on the internet. You can get anything. Yeah, well, to- <laughs> I'd say for the most part, Desiring God's a good resource. The Gospel Coalition, yeah. Bible.org, Got Questions, mm-hmm. uh, and then the free resource in, in Logos, which is Logos, <laughs> you know, for everyone's like, what side do you spell it? L-O-G-O-S. So Logos Bible Software's got some good stuff. Um, so... Yep. So don't think Chris and I are just brilliant. No. <laughs> I don't think anyone does, but we're just researching online. So, um, all right. So the question for that passage is about time. How should we spend our time? So in light of the return of Christ, that was mm-hmm. the, the central theme of the message, central theme of the letter. In light of Christ going to return, how should we spend our time? Point one was we spend our time waiting for the Lord. So, Jason, what does it mean um, that the return of Christ is imminent? A few things. Um, I feel like I have some long answers here coming up. Um, But he will return soon. Christ will return soon and at any time, any moment. That's the imminence of Christ. Like what date exactly? Um. Let's see here. Twenty. Oh man, when the angels win the pennant, okay. I think that's the correct answer. When the angels win the pennant, um, that kid's dad will come home, and then Jesus will return. Yeah. If anyone knows what movie I'm refer- referencing, um, so. <laughs> but I do want to. I didn't talk about this in too much detail on Sunday, but it's it's also been 2,000 years. Mm. Oh, yeah. So how does that understanding still prove true today? Like, how can we really believe Christ is going to return soon and people have held that for 2,000 years? Yeah. And we're like, well, that doesn't seem very soon. Um, I have a quote here that I think is helpful from... Um, our good friend John MacArthur, he, he's on our podcast a lot. No, I'm joking, he's not. <laughs> he's not. Um, but uh, yeah, he's got some good resources here. He says this concerning that understanding. He said, in any case, the passing of 2,000 years is no reproach whatsoever against the faithfulness of God or the trustworthy of his word. This is precisely the point Peter has made in when he anticipated the scoffers would arise, mocking the promises of Christ's return. That's in 2 Peter 3. Um, Peter replies to those scoffers, With the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. So the amount of earthly time that passes is of no consequence. It's certainly irrelevant from God's timeless point of view. 
a moment is like many eons in his mind and eons pass like moments. He is not bound by time as we are and no amount of time we can ever nullify his faithfulness. Um, and I'm sure that we can say more on that, but uh, I think the if you were to read that full, I don't know if it was a message or he was just writing a little article or whatever. Um, he had mentioned like, maybe it'll be another 2000 years. Yeah. Um, in his view, the way he sees the world around him, um, Christ, it doesn't seem like it's going to be that long. Um, but I guarantee the disciples thought the same thing mm-hmm. 2000 years ago. So, <laughs> Um, we don't know the exact time, but we do know that it's soon in any moment. That's an important thing to remember when we look at that. So, uh, this is a good one. I, that came to my mind when we were studying this text, does Christ return like a thief in the night to believers? Uh, no, uh, believers should not fear, uh, the swift and sudden judgment, the, Thief in the night should not catch us by surprise. Uh, Christians are in a separate category. First um, Thessalonians five four. But you brothers and sisters are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. Um, it is only those in darkness who will be taken unaware. Uh, verse nine says, "God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ." That's good because I, as I was reading that passage, I thought. Wow, I didn't hear that growing up. Same, yeah. I think I heard it was like you were. It was just hammered in your mind. Jesus is going to turn like return like a thief in the night for everyone. Like for me, and it was it was almost like scary. Like yeah, it, they taught it to you like you better get your act together. Yeah, because you know it could happen. It'll break into your house like a thief in the night. And then you're reading that text, and you're like that has n- nothing to do with his kids. <laughs> um, so I, I know it's not life-altering, but I think hopefully it brings some good clarity when we think about that. So so will unbelievers get a chance to repent when Christ returns? I wanted that question to stir up more of the pot than I think it did. Um, I asked another small group, I said, what did you all... They went over this question they met last Sunday and... I said, what did you all answer for that question? They said, we all said uh, no, and then we moved on. And I was like, oh, man. (laughs) So let me make that answer far more complicated than that. Um, This is my longest answer for this podcast, so it's going to get messy here. Um, To answer the question, we need to have a baseline understanding of the different views of how Christ will return. So... I'm going to give four. You ready? All of these are not my words. So again, I don't take credit for that. But let me go through the four. The first one we'll go through is called all millennialism. All right. All millennialism, uh, his name is a clear giveaway to, defi- to, to its defining mark, all millennialism. Literally means there is no literal, open, visible 1,000-year reign of Christ on earth. Instead, the reign of Christ is understood in a fundamentally different way. So there's a lot more to say on each of these, mm-hmm. um, but basically, we if you're an all-millennial, you would assume like this 
we are living in the thousand years now. So when Christ returns, it's going to be one event. Uh, there's post-millennialism. This is what a lot of charismatic churches believe. Post-millennialists differ as to whether the reign of Christ is a thousand years or simply a long period of time. And at its core, the distinctive of post-millennial thought is the ever-expanding progress of the gospel until the world becomes markedly Christian, then Christ returns. The millennial age is ushered in by the unrelenting advance of the gospel. So that is why, this is just, I think I'm giving people way too much information, but that is why when you see a lot of churches that are like hyped up on revival, like we're going to have revival that changes the world, I think a lot of that comes from a rooted and post-millennial understanding where they they believe the world is going to get, the gospel is going to advance and things are going to get more and more and more and more Christian and then Christ will return. The one that a lot, I guess how I was taught growing up is premillennialism. Mm-hmm. Christ will return physically and visibly in order to usher in the millennial reign. Um, but again, even historic premillennialists disagree whether the reign of Christ will be a literal thousand years or just a long period of time. And then lastly, there's what, I won't go into all the details of this, is called dispensationalist. All right. Uh, for dispensationalists, the millennial reign of Christ will begin after his return at the end of a distinct seven-period time known as the tribulation. Uh, the millennial reign of Christ begins at the third coming of Christ. So dispensationalists propose a secret rapture concept and when Christ returns prior to midway through the tribulation period to remove the church from the earth. That's a lot, isn't it? That's a whole lot. Um, Let me, I'll give where I'm at with with this. For me, I'm more in the amillennial camp, okay? I think when Christ returns, it's game over. We're already living in the thousand years. I, I understand there's certainly passages that would support every one of those topics hmm. or positions. But when I read through the New Testament, you read through the Revelation, it just doesn't seem like things are going to get gradually better and better and better, and then Jesus returns. It's Things are getting worse and worse and harder and more suffering for the church, and then Christ will return. Um, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but that's where I'm at with it. Uh, however, here we go. Okay. If you're a premillennial, Christ will return for his kids. There'll be a, th- a window. There's a window there of around 1,000 years. Whether mm-hmm. that's literal or not is up for debate for that. And then he will come back and finish the job. So the question is, if you're in that camp, I think you have to believe that unbelievers will get a second chance after Christ returns. Because there's at least those unbelievers... Because you got that thousand-year window. What do you think? I well, I have two things real quick. I don't know. Had you ever watched? Do you follow the uh, Left Behind? No, the the what? <laughs> the no. what video, guys? You know no. what I'm talking about? When no. you when we understand the text, Mm-mm. they did a video of, of everything you just said really? not too long ago. Okay, um, but they made the point in in their video like there's the four different camps, but they, they do have the one the one thing in common. That you know, Christ died for our salvation, and and He is coming back again. To yeah, uh, that's something to remember. Yes, no matter where you 
you land. Yeah. These are not, that's a good point. I, when I was writing that, these are not things, you can be a solid Bible-believing, gospel-saturated, centered, however we're saying it these days, person, and hold to one of these. Right. These are not, and none of those are heresy in my opinion. Right. Um, uh, but I, t- I don't know where I would, I, would, I don't know. I Yeah. I don't know where I fall. Yeah, I'm, again, I'm more amillennial. If people can prove to me otherwise, great. It's not a hill like I'm, right. I wouldn't like leave a church over something like that. Right. Um, I'll I'll give, uh, I mentioned him, Sam Storms. Yes. He wrote an article about these different views. Um, or basically, he wrote an article of why he gave up being a premillennial. And this one of the comments is about this question. And so he said, you must necessarily, if you're a premillennial, you must necessarily believe that unbelieving men and women will still have the opportunity to come to saving faith in Christ for at least a thousand years after his return. The reason for that is, according to premillennialism, countless millions of people will be born during the course of the millennial reign of Christ. Our premillennial list asking us to believe that upon their attaining to an age when they are capable of understanding and responding to the revelation of God and the personal physical presence of Christ Jesus, that none of them will be given the opportunity to respond to faith to the claims of the gospel. Mm-hmm. So I I do think if you are premillennial, you almost have to believe that. Um, yeah. But And if someone is, a, if I'd say most people that are listening to this have never thought about this. Maybe they have. But if you are a premillennial and you're like, no, I don't believe that, well then... You know, I'd love to know why you don't. I just yeah. out of curiosity, I'm like, you know. So, um, so for me, that's what it is. I don't believe unbelievers get a chance when Christ first returns. Uh, but I will say, I bet there's some Christians that do believe that. So, there it is. There it is. The longest answer of this podcast, <laughs> Chris. What does it look like for believers to even want, like, to want Christ to return? <sighs> I got this from. Desiring God, oh, uh, little arc. And I'm just naming the three points. They had a big article. I'm not quoting the whole thing. Kind of wrapped it up in three points. Um, pursue Christ likeness now. Ready yourself for suffering. Work faithfully for Christ. Those are all good. Yeah, I should have just preached on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Look at me trying to come up with my own stuff. The internet's yeah, got it. It's all out there. I could ask a chat G- a GPT oh. and let them, whatever. <laughs> um, all right. So two, how should we spend our time? We spend our time preparing for the Lord. So what does it mean to be awake and sober as believers? I, I think there's a lot to say on this, but I'll just say I'm going to read a uh, a few verses in Revelation. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Revelation uh, chapter 3. I'll start somewhere in verse 1. It says, I know your works. He's the angel. This is the angel to the church in Sardis. Uh, the words of him who are in the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. But the message is, I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. 
keep it and repent if you will not wake up i will come like a thief going back to first thessalonians 5 yeah. and you will not know at what hour i will come against you so i think to be awake is to repent and have good works produced through you so you're like if you're if you're thinking you hear that message you're like how do i know if i'm awake how do i know if i'm like a sober spiritually sober which we'll talk about that and a minute, like a, a person, I think the answer is, well, are you repenting? Like, do you, are you repenting of your own sin? Um, yeah. Do your sins bother you? <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, simply a person that calls themselves a, a Christian, but is not repentant of their own sin daily, weekly, monthly is not a person that is awake. Right. So anyone that listens to this or anyone at our church, if you're like, if you want to know if you're awake or not, when's the last time you repented? Because that might be the answer. So, all right, Chris, how do we put on faith? It's the breastplate of faith and love. What's it look I like? It was the shield of faith. No, not in this. Not in First oh. Thessalonians five. Oh, maybe I'm thinking about the other. You're the, thinking of Ephesians six. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway. Well, now I'm gonna look it up. Now you got that in my head. I'm almost certain it's the breastplate of. We can't be switching up the armor. It probably. I mean, you're probably right. It's just an illustration. It's not like it's not like Paul is like, oh man, I messed it up. Where'd that where'd that shield go? <laughs> um, we put on faith by knowing and it, believing. It's a breastplate. It's a breastplate. Yeah. All right. I'll okay, take your word for it. In First Thessalonians, it is. Um, we put on faith by knowing and believing what God says is true, uh, by studying the Bible, diving deeper into His Word. Learning more about him and his son. Prayer. Pray that your faith in God grows deeper and more meaningful. Um, but basically by, by trusting in God solely. Nothing else. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So how do we put on love? I, I did mention on Sunday, it's certainly love is action-oriented. So if you were going to put on love... It's more than just putting on a thought, an ideology. Um, it's rooted in what, what God, how God loves us. God doesn't just love us by thought. He loves us because that's who he is. He loves mm -hmm. us in action by sending his son Jesus. So love is action-oriented, but I think I'll give you three verses to figure out, all right, well, how do I, who am I supposed to love? You know, if I'm to put on love, be nice to people, serve people, you know, be, you know, just be a decent person yeah. <laughs> to people, be a, known as a loving person. Who is that towards? Three things I see in the text. Uh, Mark twelve thirty one. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. Love your neighbor. That's anyone. They don't have to be a believer. They don't have to go to church. It's, it's literally anyone. Um, so love your neighbor. Second one, but I say to you, uh, you who hear, love your enemies. Mm -hmm. Do good to those who hate you. That's Luke 6, 27. So how do you put on love? You love your enemy. So mm -hmm. it's not just your neighbor or someone you're like, yeah, I mean, they're a super nice person. I don't really know what they believe. This is a person that's that doesn't want, you know, 
wants nothing to do with you. That's yeah. mean. Um, man, I'm just several names just popped into my brain <laughs> when I said that, and I, <clears throat> I, it's so easy. Like I want to hate them. You know, you want. You're like these are, these aren't good people. Right. You know, and I of course there's no one good but the Father. But I get it. But like, they're just not even nice people. Like you wouldn't even want to hang out with them for five minutes. So, and scripture is like, you're supposed to love them. I'm like, oh, all right. Last one's a lot better. First um, <laughs> John 4, 7 through 8. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And anyone who does not uh, love does not know God because God is love. Mm-hmm. So it's love your brother, love your brother and sister in Christ. Um, he's not talking about generic love. He says beloved. He's talking to believers, and he's talking about the saints, the church. Uh, you should love one another. Love your neighbor, love your enemy, love your brother. There it is. Lastly, changing gears. This is a lot heavier. Um, mm-hmm. How does Christ save us from God's wrath? Um. By taking God's wrath in our place, um, or in the place of those who believe and put their faith in Christ. Um, Isaiah 53, 5 and 6, he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. Have Isaiah fifty three ten through eleven, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He was put, he has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. First uh, John four nine through ten. Uh, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have, f- have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, pr- propitiation. propitiation for our sins. And finally, uh, Romans 8, or sorry, Romans 5, 8 through 9. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Why why do you think no one teaches that? You know? I guess I like I didn't grow I grew up in church. My whole I've always been in church. I didn't hear about Christ taking God's wrath for me until way after high school. And may, if it was mentioned, it wasn't mentioned enough as a central theme of the gospel. Right. I'm trying to think back. I, I'd probably say the same. It was No, you heard about God's wrath, but it was yeah. more like towards sinners, unbelievers. Yeah, you, you never believe heard, or you get or you get the wrath. Or you not. get the wrath. You never heard that Christ took that took wrath. Took that wrath, yeah. Um so Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But it is it's I mean that was kind of like the whole point of some of that Christmas series we did. Yeah, it's Jesus wasn't just born to forgive us of our sins. 
He was, he was born, born as the sacrifice. Right. He was born to take the wrath or you're going to get the wrath. And I think that's, you know, even when we talk about hell, like we can discuss uh, what what is hell like, but hell is certainly God's wrath being poured out on you forever. Like that, yeah. we don't think, we just think hell is, you're, you'll finally be away from the Lord. Won't that be sad and lonely? And, you know, no wonder people are like, you know, I'll just go to hell with all my friends and party it up. I'm like, well, no, that's, you forget, no. like, you're not going to party <laughs> up. It's a constant unleashing of God's wrath. wrath. That's a, that's that's not me just saying it. That's what the Bible would right. tell us, whether we like it or not. Like, uh, That's the price of sin. Yeah. Is his, you know. Yeah, all sin requires a payment. You can, yeah. So. You can either pay it yourself. Yeah. Or, or Christ will pay. Yeah. That's good. That's good. All right. Well, it's good for you. <laughs> those yeah, that believe. If you, if you, it's good for those that believe. <laughs> Three, we spend our time encouraging one another. There you go. Uh, so what does eminence of Christ have to do uh, with believers encourage one another? Uh, I've read a few passages on Sunday that it just felt like it was constantly, when we talked about the return of Christ, it was always tied to how we love one another we're not complaining or grumbling against one another, and I don't think that's a coincidence. Um, it's it's difficult for a church. It's difficult for us at, at East River Park to have uh, horizontal issues when we are focused on the vertical, if that makes sense. Um, a church focused on Christ is a more unified church. Uh, we treat each other better because mm-hmm. we've. It's not about us. We're right. you know we're focused on Jesus, not ourselves and other people. Um, so thinking of the imminent return of Christ, and I don't know if I mentioned mentioned this passage on Sunday. I think I did, but Hebrews three twelve through fourteen. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, exhort one another every day, as long as it's still called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. It's imperative, it's important that we encourage one another because we're in danger of falling away from the living God. We're in danger of not holding fast to the original confidence until the end. Um, and I'm, I mean, we're not even going to get into the arguments of like, I guess I'll say it. We're not even getting to the arguments of predestination election. It's not what the passage is talking about. It's saying like, you better hold fast the original confidence of the gospel until the end. Um, there's a real reality that you might have an unbelieving heart leading you away from, from God. Mm -hmm. Forever. So we should be encouraging one another. It's that important. When we come to church on Sunday, it's not, you know, I I don't care if someone's like, hey, is the heat on? Or like, you know, I don't care if people ask normal questions, but we're not going to come to church and like pick apart every little thing Mm -hmm. and complain to each other about how we wish the church would run. I think nine times out of 10, literally nine times out of 10 when people come to me, 
and it doesn't happen a lot at this church, but when people come to me with a complaint about how they think the church should run, I agree. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's, I agree with them. I'm like, some of this just takes time, or it's just like, you know, we didn't plan it that way. It's just how it happened. Right. You know, I agree with you. It's that's the reality of church life. It's it's imperfect. <laughs> that would be like, you know, someone looking me in the face and be like, I wish you had, you know, a better, you know, beard. And I'd be like, Yeah, me too. Yeah, like, <laughs> You're right. But this is what I got, so we're just gonna have to love each other through it. You know, you be nice to me, and maybe it'll it'll grow to become a thicker, stronger, good-looking beard. Corey got me a little like. Uh, beard comb for Christmas. Oh, like beard oil or something? No, I do have beard oil, um, but I quit using it just because my face breaks out. Oh. Like, I already have this like zit right here. You can see it. Well, the podcast. <laughs> I can't see it. Just and imagine it. Like, you know, when you have a zit with kids, the kids are like, hey, you have a zit. What's that on your face? You know, like you got something ugly on your face. And then I, uh, this was last night after the elders meeting. I came home, Corey was sitting in the recliner, and she was getting ready to go to bed, and I went in and leaned to give her a kiss, and she was like, you should um, you should put like a pimple patch over that. <laughs> I was like, thanks, Corey. <laughs> oh, yeah. goodness. Also, don't get married if you want to be constantly encouraged. <laughs> yeah. go, to, go to church. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, brother. All right, where are we at? We're at... You just finished your... Serving, right? Yep. What is our motivation in serving in the local church? How do we... What's... Why would we give our time yes, to serve? It's a good question. Um, well, we are called to serve the Lord and to serve others. Uh, we are to follow the pattern set by Jesus. Uh, Matthew twenty twenty eight. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many... Um, our motivation should be to be Christ-like, to imitate Him, to follow His example. And I, mean, I know you went a different route in, in the sermon. You mentioned to build one another up, which is good. Um, it's, it's, it, you said something to the effect of um, if you're serving for self-satisfaction, uh, satis- um, to yourself, then you're, yeah. you're approaching it wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I... <laughs> When I reread the message on Saturday, I added, I was like, I hope this hurts. You know, like I kept, I wanted to make it, it hurt for myself and for others. And that, in in a healthy way of like, you're literally wasting your time and Mm -hmm. everyone else's when you just serve for yourself. Like, that's not, that's not what we want this church to be. Not that you shouldn't find joy in that, but joy in the Lord. I guess I, and maybe I... (laughs) I don't know if we'll come up more Sunday, but I think when a church is trying to move forward, like when I, when I got here, this church, um, there was a lot of good faithful people Mm -hmm. still here wanting to see it, you know, move forward, wanted to see it live. But with that, there was, there wasn't, it wasn't worshipful. There wasn't, I'm sure there was, it was at times. It was more like, just obligation like we mm. have to give or this church is going to close like we have to serve because mm. no one else is doing it and it needs done and 
and God's good grace, he can use all of that. Right. But for the longevity health of a church, that's not a good long-term mentality. Like, no, you give because God has given you mm-hmm. so much. You serve yeah. for his kingdom, not just to fill a roster spot in children's ministry. So, and I, I think that mentality has changed and continues to change here where people are, they're just excited to be a part of of seeing what God is doing at worship. It's worshipful more than it is just meeting Duty, yeah. uh, you know, something on a spreadsheet. So yeah. I don't know how much I communicated that on Sunday, but there it is. So where are we at? Summary, summary point. Summary point. Worship is rooted in how we spend our time. So why is it so critical that we don't waste our time? few obvious ones we just we don't get it back um i think we don't want to waste it because there is no there's no redo i that's that's probably the most haunting thing of parenting for me it's i'll never have this wednesday with those kids ever again you know like time is literally ticking you know i I know know. you know that (laughs) and it's just I know you're, you're, you can't fix your kids. You're not going to like, it's just, you've got this little window and you're never going to get it back. Um, and that goes to so many things. So to be more practical, I think living a spirit filled life is not wandering around, uh, in our schedules, like just waiting for the spirit to speak and just moving wherever he leads us. That's not what Jesus did. That's not what Paul did. Living a spirit-filled life is a planned life fixed on the mission of the gospel. Um, I have a long quote. I guess I won't. It's not helpful, so I won't share it. But I'll just say this. You have, and this is a summary quote from someone else, but you have just enough time. I have just enough time to do what you value. Yeah. Every single person. I don't care what's going on in your life. Yeah. Um, you could be like, yeah, but I've got a, a sick family member I have to take care of all the time. You don't have to. Mm-hmm. You don't have to take care of them. You don't have to take care of your kids. You do it because you value them, right. <laughs> and you're going to invest your time in them. So I think we all need to stop saying we're busy. We live in this culture. Everyone's like, I mean, I say it all the time. You know, yeah. People are like, oh, I'm just busy. I'm like, we're not busy. None of us are busy. We're, we're doing exactly what we value. So maybe our values need to change if we feel, if you feel, I guess if you're, if you're listening to this and you're like, we're talking about time, but my life feels out of control. It's no, you're just valuing a lot of things that may not be that important or you're doing exactly what you value right now. If you're flying to 30 different sports things, it's because you value sports. If you didn't, you wouldn't do it. Um, so if you're like, I, um, I can never get to church. Now, I realize some people have to work and you value feeding your your family and yeah. paying bills. I get it. But for the most part, you're like, I, we just can't get to church on Sundays. That's because you don't value church. That's, I mean, I, you hate to say it like that, yeah. but that's the truth. Or you would give time to do it. So you just say, don't say I don't have time for it. Say I don't value it. So, 
Olympics. That's that was when I heard that. That's a summary. When I heard that, that was the most like life altering reality. Um, I'll tell you who, who said it too when I after this podcast, okay. but because it changed everything, it really changed how, how I like. If you vow, uh, just to keep on a rant, if you vow, if you value spending time with friends and you feel like you can never do it, then you better schedule it. Mm. Like, don't schedule things that you have to do. Schedule things that you value. Mm. Um, if you married and you want, you're like, I, we, me and my spouse never have time to go on a date. It's because you don't plan for it. Schedule it. If you, if you value it, schedule. put it on the calendar. You're like, I don't have a calendar. Well, sounds like you don't value your time. <laughs> <laughs> so I could go on for longer, but... Podcast is over. Let's talk about now. I'm going to go home man. and erase everything on my calendar. <laughs> it just was helpful. I mean, really, we I I have now. I mean, of course, you can be obsessive over it, and of course, there's passages like you. We plan. We can plan all our days, but the Lord's in control. He can change. Yeah. I mean, I have I have a calendar. I have a to do list. Even this morning, or the, the it came in this afternoon. Even this afternoon. Um, I came in to do something, and then mm. I ended up talking with someone for like 45 minutes um, that was here at the church. That That's not like a waste of my time. Like right. I, It's fine to plan things, but I, I also value people yeah. so they can take a priority over my schedule. So it's, it's, it's all value-oriented. Um, that's good. But all right. No, this is your question, yeah, right? One more. One more. How does worship influence how we spend our time? Um, in Romans 12, Paul writes, uh, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. I would say if we are in true worship, we will sacrifice time, our lives, whatever, in the worship of the Lord. Yeah, We'll pursue it with with all, with all our heart. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're a living sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Romans, was it Romans twelve one yeah. through two? Um, yep, yep. All right. Well, that was week one. Um, we have a conclusion for those that are still with us. Do you not care about conclusions? Is it because Derek won the fantasy? Ugh, I heard enough from him. <laughs> I know. I'm, I I just I made that picture and I, yeah. I sent it yeah. and I was like, <laughs> it was funny. Yeah, but then I was like, I wonder if everyone thinks I'm too mean to Derek. Um, but anyways, me and Chris lost in our fantasy football league. That's the summary of that yeah. those comments. But all right, since we're done with discussing the message, let's finish with uh, some uh, football. Football season's almost over. Um, I guess it what was it two weekends ago, mm -hmm. a little over a week ago, um, during the Bills Bengals game. Did you watch? I did you, not watch it. Uh, I think my dad told me about it the next day. Yeah. Oh man, I was. Um, I think we had just put the kids to bed, or no, no, the kids weren't even in bed. That was so. It's not that funny, but the kids weren't in bed, and my sister think texting me about it and I was trying to get it turned on and um 
I th- when I, by the time I got it turned on, like there was an ambulance on the field still for I mean talking about Demar if people have no idea what we're talking about Demar Hamlin mm-hmm. had like cardiac episode on the field and died basically died on the field they brought him back to life yeah. and he's doing better now but yeah. um but it was weird because they kept like these announcers had no like the people had no, commentators had no idea what to say they're just saying weird random stuff hmm. then they go to like a, several commercials. They come back, it's like real quiet, and they're like, we still don't have an update, and you're like, this kid's dead, you know? It was it was weird. It was a weird experience. Um, but anyways, I finally got it on the TV. I was watching it on my phone. I got it on the TV, and I'm like, I need to know what happens. I think everyone is just like, you know, nothing strange happens in my life, so I got to see what's happening in someone else's life. I mean, that's really the gist of it, but it was super sad. We're sitting there watching it, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I need to see what's going what's going on with this guy. And the kids went to bed, and I they I wanted to tuck, they wanted me to tuck them in, but I was like, just wait, just wait. I kept saying wait, and they come back in the commercial, and there's no updates, and Corey was furious with me. <laughs> and she was like, fine, I'll just do it. And, yeah, I went, put the kids to bed, and... Yeah, and you know, like all of that, and then we still didn't get any updates that I night. Never, so. Didn't watch it. Um, so, anyways, crazy thing, he went for a tackle, right? He was no, he was, he, he no, he had the ball, and someone tackled him, right? Something. Yeah, I don't. All I know is, from my understanding, you can correct me. Yeah, he got hit. Like at the perfect time for this situation to to for his heart to go into cardiac arrest, right? Something like the That's way what you, some people, yeah, people would say that. I mean, there were people all over Twitter that was like, "Well, it was yeah. the vaccine," you know. <laughs> uh, there was, I mean, it was everywhere. That, I'm, I'm not. That was my first thought. I was I like, guess, I wonder if he had the vaccine. That's you my, know, let me just say this, and I don't care to say it publicly. The fact that we can't even. Like, you turned into a monster if you said that. I'm like, the fact, I'm, it's not, no one's saying like that's what it was. I'm just, some people were. But the fact that you can't even like ask about it mm-hmm. without people losing their minds is like, that's not the world we want to live in. Like, we can't no. even ask and wonder without, until we get some more clear answers. Because that's not normal for a, 20-something year old. Well, that specific injury usually happens in baseball, cause, especially with kids. Cause it's like this, you know, a smaller baseball coming yeah. full velocity right at your chest. Yeah, I read, no I read an article about it. Yeah, that, there's like kids yeah. will even wear chest, those chest protection yep. Yep, now. Yep. Um, but it doesn't happen like that in football. Uh, so anyways, the I think people all over the news are like, is the NFL even safe like is football safe anymore for people to play like you can't even, hardly tackle anybody anyway Madden, anymore you Madden can't. even took away like the cpr chest celebration the chest compressions they took it out of the game that's the world we live in chris what do you think should people is football too dangerous no no I more cyclones football here that's what chris just said i think no i did not <laughs> did not say that cyclones are canceled whatsoever 
No, it's. I don't believe it's getting any. I think it's more dangerous than it started than it is now. But I know you're going to give the argument that people are there's better technology and people are stronger and faster and and all this stuff. And I don't know, but there's more rules now to protect people, and you can't even hardly touch a quarterback anymore. I, I don't know. <laughs> and I would also state <laughs> that all of these. <laughs> All of these guys knew what they were signing. They knew they weren't signing up for a ballet when they started playing this game. Yeah. Yeah. I would prefer my kids didn't play more just surrounding football culture. It was it's just your whole life, you know. Yeah. I'm not against, obviously. Um I love I didn't grow up playing football, but like I love the season of football. You know, I love the local football games. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that, seriously. I mean, I'm not like, but for my own kids, I'm like, I just, it's too much, man. I don't care that much about the game. Um, but to to your point, I do, I would, I would make the case that you're making that it's possible. It's not that it's too dangerous to play. I think it's gotten, gotten a lot more dangerous because of the size and speed of these guys. It's like when you look at, it's like watching the NBA. You know, you watch the NBA from 40 years ago. You're like, I can beat those guys. Even though you know you can't. Like, you know, but they just don't look like these monstrous athletes that they do now. Uh, Now, you take those, that increase of size and speed and all of that, and then let them run full speed at each other. I mean, we're going to totally different. When you think back about the beginnings of football and the. I know they had like like no pad and like these leather helmets that are are doing what nothing. I'm just saying like you know no, no, they no. weren't tackling they're not Derrick Henry running full speed <sighs> through these guys so it's just a different game. I do think it it's is a different game. I more, agree with that. More dangerous and you have to say well and because no one cares at this point but <laughs> you you also have to say like maybe because of the advancement of technology and protection players are going longer like they're playing yeah later in their and i don't know statistically that's even true but like it maybe they're playing longer in life and it increases you know like if we're how how old's tom brady like 75 (laughs) (laughs) well you can't touch that guy anyway so it doesn't matter he could play till he was 100 oh boy i'm gonna get skip bayless on this show (laughs) (laughs) So, all right, let's pray. Let's be done with this. You want me to pray? I'll pray. Uh, okay. God, thank you so much uh, for uh, today. Thank you for Chris. Thank you for the opportunity to discuss your word. and um, We're thankful for your word and uh, just the constant encouragement and correction it gives us. Uh, God, the, the hope, the promises that it, it shares to us. And so uh, we pray that that's true um, of every follower of Christ and this podcast, although you know, certainly like to have fun at times or joke, but um, we do want to know more about your word and discuss these things on a deeper level. And so, we're thankful for the opportunity to do that. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen.